Welcome to Trinity. We're a church family learning how to follow Jesus in the city of Nottingham. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive. So this reading is from John chapter 11, various different parts of the chapter. They've given me one to jump around in, of course. Now a man named Lazarus was ill. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay ill, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is ill. When he heard this, Jesus said, this illness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. 
Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into this world. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now John's gospel is famous for its seven signs. There are seven signs which they kind of form the backbone of the gospel, and there are also seven I am statements, seven different occasions where Jesus says, I am, and then something else. And today we heard read, I am the resurrection and the life. The signs begin with a sign, the sign at a wedding in Cana. You know the sign where he turns water into wine, and they end at a funeral where Jesus turns death into life. The I am statements culminate, they climax in this moment with Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. So what does it mean? That's my question this morning. What does it mean for Jesus to be the resurrection and the life? Today I want to unpack this in the next 10 or so minutes. A bit of background. What is going on as Jesus arrives at the tomb of his friend Lazarus? Lazarus. The first thing we see, and I think it was beautifully read by Paul, it became very clear as he was reading it, is that this, this event that becomes Jesus explaining something of who he is and revealing his identity and his purpose, this is all birthed in the environment of friendship. Now there was a man named a man named Lazarus was ill. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay ill, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. That, by the way, comes in the next chapter of John, but John is kind of foreshadowing that by giving that detail here. So there's friendship, there's deep affection that Mary has for Jesus, but it's two-way. Listen to this, verse 3. The sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is ill. 
The Greek word for love here is phileo. This is the first time in the gospel that word is used. An indication that what is happening here is there is a background of mutual affection and deep connection. Jesus loved Martha and her brother Lazarus. It actually says that. Verse 5, now Jesus loved, same word phileo, Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he, he stayed where he was two days, and then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. This is an important point. And the disciples pick up the point. The point is, is that by going to Judea, Jesus is risking his neck. The disciples say, look, Jesus, would it be a sensible strategic move? For us to go back to Judea. Do you remember, Jesus, the last time you were there? Do you remember the stones that people had in their hands? Do you remember that they were launching them at you, trying to kill you? But you see, Jesus is less less bothered about the threat on his life. He's more bothered about the love he has for Lazarus, for Mary, and for Martha. And here again, we see this picture of the gospel. Jesus says himself in John 15 verse 13, greater love has no one than this, than somebody would lay down their life for their friend. One of Christianity's key contributions to the world is a definition of love as sacrifice for somebody else. And here Jesus Not just speaks about that, but models that. So his love leads him back to Judea. And as he arrives back, as often happens in deep connection, in close relationships, he gets an earful from his friend. If only you were here. If only you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. Martha says, Lord, verse 21, Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know even that even now God will give you whatever you ask. So as often happens again in the Gospels and often happens in John's Gospel, a conversation ensues. It's interesting, isn't it? How often Jesus' greatest acts come out of conversations he's having with people. Think of John 4. This moment that a woman has at a well with Jesus. And you can see as you read it, I don't have time to go through it because I've been limited by myself and others to 15 minutes this morning. But I'll grant myself this short aside. This amazing story in which a whole town is converted comes out of a random conversation with a woman by a well. Pay attention to the conversations you have with Jesus and with others. Sometimes his greatest works come out of a side, just these moments. These random moments, providential moments we have with him and with other people. And this conversation that emerges out of friendship leads to a dramatic resuscitation miracle. And in the conversation, Jesus delivers a deeper revelation of who he is. To Mary and Martha, here's what he says. Where is it? It's in here somewhere. 
Here we go. Verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? This I am statement is the summation really of all of them. And what Jesus is saying, I'm the resurrection. I'm the one who holds death and reverses it. And I'm the life. I'm the one who gives not just biological life, but spiritual life. An eternal quality and quantity of life. And if you've never been to church today, if you're arriving here this morning in much the same state that Luke was those years ago, maybe you are hungover. Maybe somebody dragged you here, a parent, a friend, and you're wondering, what on earth is this all about? Those songs, what were they? Why is this man shouting? (laughs) And all kinds of other questions that you might have on a morning like this. I am here to tell you that the core Christian claim, the the thing essentially that Christianity offers is this. Life. Life. Resurrection life. Life beyond the grave, but actually more than that, life before the grave. And when the Bible talks talks about eternal life, principally what the Bible is not talking about is life beyond the grave. That is offered as well. But what the Bible is talking about, what Jesus is offering when he says that each person who responds to him in faith can have eternal life, what he is actually saying is that you can experience the kind of life that God dreamt of for you when he imagined you before the foundation of the world, a life of peace, a life of joy, a life of hope, a life of meaning and purpose. You can have that today. You can have a life in which fear is overcome in your actual day-to-day lived experience. You can have that today because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And no matter what else you think the church is about, no matter what else people may have said to you that the church or Jesus or Christianity is about, I'm here to tell you, That Christianity and Jesus and church is not about anything but the life that Jesus and Jesus alone can offer. Proximity to Jesus equals life. That's an equation. It holds. It stands. So what does that life look like in closing? Something I've never said 10 minutes into a sermon before. (laughs) What does that life look like? All right, firstly, that life is life through death. Listen to this. (laughs) I I just love this conversation Jesus is having with the disciples. Again, Paul read it so well. Jesus says, verse 11, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I'm going there to wake him up. Jesus here, just using a euphemism, just soften the blow for the disciples. They just, don't, they just don't get it. They're so literal. They can't understand. If he's fallen asleep, well, let's not go back to Judea just to wake a man. <laughs> just, you know, call his Alexa. 
I don't know, something like that, just get, I don't know, eventually I'll wake up. We don't need to take a detour. And Jesus says, Lazarus is dead. And it's that stark. Lazarus is dead, boys. Lazarus is dead. Life. Christian transformation, the kind of life in which God turns a life upside down, is never the denial of death. You know, you're not invited to church, you're not invited to, uh, to following Jesus and expected to deny the difficulty of being a human. The weight and difficulty of living the kind of life that humans have to live. Every one of you will have faced that. If you have not yet, you will. You will face grief. You will face death. You will face loss. You will face fear. And sometimes it will be so acute that you will not feel you can carry on. That's the human condition. That's what it means to be a human person. Some of you are facing that even today. The Christian story, the Christian offer, Jesus' offer of life is not for the positive set. The people who can fake it until they make it. For the happy clappy bunch. The Christian offer of life it's for everyone. It is for people who have walked, as David says, through the valley of the shadow of death. It is people for who today are walking through the valley of the shadow of death and want a way to understand that it is possible in the valley to fear no evil. We are not a cult of positivity. Jesus works his magic through death. Mary comes to the tomb, as Amy read at the beginning. She comes to the tomb of Jesus. John says she comes while it is still dark. Dark and night are used as a rhetorical device all the way through John's gospel by John to indicate evil. She comes in the moment of death. She comes in the moment of greatest hardship, and it is there. In the moment, in that moment that Jesus is revealed to her and raised from the dead. Jesus offers life, yes. He does not offer an easy life. He does not offer even a perfect life. But he offers life. He offers, let me put it in a word that Luke used. This is my preferred word. He offers transformation. So life through death. Secondly, life by sudden salvation. Sudden salvation. Lazarus, come out. (laughs) Imagine being there. Lazarus, come out. And he comes out. On command, I tell thee. Salvation in a moment, transformation in an instant. Jesus gives a command and Lazarus responds. He stands up and he walks out. Sudden salvation, just as I said when Luke shared his story. A word is given and the Holy Spirit comes 
There is a, a sense of God's presence. He leaves the building. Mom, there's a God. Did the fire burn off the hangover? Ask him after. I don't know. There was sudden salvation. Every single person who responds to Jesus in faith in some way experiences this. Now, for some of us who've grown up in the church, it feels less sudden often, but there is a moment where it makes sense. These people who you will hear their stories this morning of baptism, there will be a moment where it just made sense. And they said, that was for me. This is for me. We all have this kind of moment. Maybe, friend, this morning is that moment for you. Life by sudden salvation. But then there is also life for every person through the stages of sanctification. I'm sorry for using the word sanctification. It is technical, but it begins with S. And I, had to, I simply had to alliterate it. So let me explain. Sanctification is the journey of being made whole. It's the journey of being, a journey of being brought to life. Sanctification, so the salvation, the moment of salvation where we're rescued, there are stages of being made alive, stages of being made whole and holy. Listen to this. Jesus, the same Jesus who commands Lazarus to come forth, is the same Jesus who also commands the people, take off the grave clothes and let him go. What a beautiful picture of transformation. Transformation is never all, all of a sudden. There are all of a sudden moments. There is a transformation that happens in a moment for every person who comes to Jesus where our eyes are opened and it's like we see for the first time. And that begins a journey of the rest of our lives where step by step by step by step, we learn to follow Jesus. That's no less significant. It's no less miraculous. And that invitation is for every person. But notice to whom the command comes. Not to Lazarus. To those with Lazarus. Lazarus. Unbind him. He said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is a picture of what Jesus says to the church. Not to Lazarus, not to the man, but to those around him. This is a picture of the church as a community of transformation. Each of us must play our part in the transformation of one another. Whatever is on Lazarus that is still connected to the story of death must be taken off. The grave clothes have to go. For him, those are literally grave clothes. For us, there may be habits, there may be addictions, there may be beliefs, faulty beliefs, attitudes, traumatic experiences. There may be griefs or or guilt, there may be fears or shame. All of these must go. And the church becomes the community of transformation in which we help one another get free. Life comes in sudden salvation, it comes through difficulty and death, and it comes in stages. So what? Now definitely landing this plane. My question to you all this morning is, could today 
be a day for you of sudden salvation. Jesus asked Mary a simple question. Do you believe this? I'm the resurrection of the life and the life. Do you believe this? She says, Lord, you know that I believe. Maybe today is a moment for you to place your trust, your faith, your belief in Jesus, the one who offers resurrection and life. And maybe you've never done that before. And simply, at some stage before the end of this morning, you just want to echo quietly in your heart. Yes, Jesus, I trust you. I place my hand in your hand. I believe you. If that's you, we'd love to pray with you that the same experience that Luke had or similar would be yours today. But maybe for you today, it's not a day of sudden salvation, but maybe it's a day of a new stage in sanctification, a new moment in transformation, and that's no less miraculous perhaps. Maybe a calling to you to open up to somebody today an area in your life where you need breakthrough. Maybe a moment for you to hear Jesus' command to go to somebody else and help them get free. I know what you're thinking. This is easy for Lazarus. He's just having a kip in the grave. He hears a voice. He stands up. He had Jesus right there before him. The resurrection of Jesus from the grave means that his spirit is available to us today. Jesus is alive. And his same spirit, the same breath that Jesus breathes into his disciples, he breathes into each of us today. He is no less available to you and I than he was to Lazarus. And the resurrection of Jesus is the promise that there is life, not just this side of the grave, but beyond it. Lazarus is resuscitated. He does die again. Jesus rises to life forever. And one day, you and I will rise with him and with Lazarus. And we will look on the one who is both the resurrection and the life. Amen. Amen. Before I ask Joe to come and to interview and present candidates for baptism, I'd love just to pray. Maybe you would... Close your eyes if that's helpful. Bow your head again if that's helpful. Primary school, we used to say, hands together, eyes closed. You don't have to do that. But I was just reminded of that. Father, we welcome the presence of Jesus in this place. We welcome the spirit of Jesus. The spirit of the one who is the resurrection and the life. And I ask now for anyone who is is hearing your voice, Jesus, hearing it as clearly perhaps as Lazarus heard it. I pray now you would grant faith to respond to that voice.